0: this very moment in which you breathe and live, and are a part of the wonderful tapestry that is your life, woven in with all the others in your time and place in history. I am Rev. Dr. Candace Bist, and along with my very talented musical husband, Bruce Lee, we serve the Shelburne Primrose Pastoral Charge in the Headwaters Region of Southern Ontario. I'm taking a few weeks off, and during this time, I am offering you a relook at the five services that were prepared last April for Holy Week, the highest holidays in the Christian tradition. Though I repeatedly say that the lessons, both theologically and spiritually, that our high holidays represent can offer illumination for all people of all faiths. And all spiritual inclinations. And today we have a quiet, reflective time as we listen again to the Holy Saturday Vigil podcast. Everyone loves the Sunday morning party of Easter what's not to love, about waking up to a day that celebrates spring and new beginnings with its playful motif of bunnies and Easter egg hunts, a wash in shades of buttery yellow and palest mauve, and the hope of some kind of confection before the day is through. Christian or not, it's a day marked by the delight of new possibilities. And hopefully you have listened to one or the other, if not both, of the Good Friday podcasts that I have offered the last two Sundays and can still be found on our website. It takes courage and intention to sit still and hear again not only the particular dark passion story that is the cornerstone of the Christian faith— but the universal story of humanity's fearfulness and the terror that sets in when shifts in the wind herald a change in thinking for which we feel unprepared. It may be noted that we are living in such a time now with the winds of change, a veritable storm blowing in from all sides. If Easter Sunday is the cheerful child in the trio of days, and Good Friday, the dark, serious sibling, Holy Saturday is the quiet, often overlooked one who is nevertheless vitally necessary to hold all three days together. So if you are a part of our gathering today, thank you for setting this time aside. To take part in a relook at the Saturday vigil of Holy Week. With all the change swirling around us, now is not the time to look away. Now is the time to be quiet, to be reflective, to move slowly but steadily in a new direction. And that direction is one of open embrace, a commitment to open our minds and our eyes and our hearts to all others. Last night I did something I have never done before. I watched a basketball game on television. And I did so as a spiritual practice to spend quiet time with my husband, to peek into a world I knew nothing about and to see what I could learn. I learned that the human form is beautiful and it comes in many shades of color. I learned that people cared about matters important to them. I learned that people were searching for ways to be heard, to be seen, to be acknowledged. The fact that they were playing sports was just a sidebar. Last week, I quoted Simone Weil saying, attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity, and so it is. To sit quietly and pay attention to anything at all, a teapot, a child, a tree, a podcast, a basketball game, it matters not. To quiet yourself And simply pay attention is a great act of generosity and devotion. I am hoping that this vigil gathering which consists of both teaching and practice of the spiritual discipline of holding vigil will have a kind of intimacy and communication allowing us all to draw together in sacred space through the simple act of mindfulness and paying attention. Be blessed this week. You are already a blessing to so many others. I begin by reading from the introduction of Seven Sacred Pauses, where Macrina gives a brief history and overview of this practice of pausing throughout the day. When we pray the Gospels, it is crystal clear that Jesus had a rhythm of prayer in His life. He lived mindfully. We see Him withdrawing with the apostles and from His crowds of followers. He takes time for solitude at critical moments in his life. He goes away at significant times of the day, dawn, for example. Sometimes he spends the whole night in prayer. He seeks out lonely places where he can be silent and in communion with God. Often he slips away at crucial times of strife and moments when decisions need to be made yet he always remains in his ministry of compassion and love among the people. After Jesus' death and resurrection, we see his disciples attempting to honor the same inborn need to pause in prayerful remembrance at specific hours of the day. The Catholic monastic hours grew out of the spirit of the early Christian households of faith, which continued to meet in the temple for prayer and celebrate the breaking of bread in their homes. These hours have been revised and expanded in many ways and have, in the course of history, been known by various names, the canonical hours, the divine office, the prayer of the hours, the Divine Hours, the Liturgy of the Hours. For Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, all Abrahamic religions—bells, chimes, or tonal sounds— are important for calling people to prayer. For all these religions, the call to prayer is announced at specific hours. Special hours of the day are honored. For Islam, the five daily rituals of prayer, Salat, are pre-dawn, noon, afternoon, sunset, and night. The three times of gathering for prayer in Judaism are morning, afternoon, and night. In the Jewish tradition, the oldest fixed daily prayer is the beautiful Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Therefore you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. The Shema, an assertion of faith in one God, is recited when rising in the morning and upon retiring at night. It is the first prayer a Jewish child is taught, the last words spoken prior to death. The faithful recitation of the Shema brings about an experiential awareness of the Eternal One. When the early Christians began to detach themselves from Judaism, they kept the practice of praying at fixed times of the day. As monastic communities began to form, other hours of the day were eventually added to the monastic day. In Psalm 119, the psalmist writes, At midnight, I rise to give thanks. And in the same psalm, he says, Seven times a day, I praise you. The early church and the monastic communities have tried to honor the invitation of these scriptural texts by dividing the day into seven sacred pauses. The first of them is known as matans or vigils. Traditionally, this hour was prayed in the heart of the night. However, due to the fragility of the human condition, it is understandable that in many communities and with many individuals, matanz is moved to the early morning hours when it is still dark. It has become a pre-dawn prayer. It is still often called matanz, but more commonly vigils. The theme for this hour is vigilance. Those who keep vigil are sentinels of the night. It is often called the night watch. I continue reading from page 33 and 34 in Macrina's chapter, The Night Watch. More than likely, there are times in your life when you celebrate vigils without realizing you are praying. Search your life for moments of prayerful waiting and watching. Name some of your special hours of vigilance. Some of these moments may have come in the middle of the night, Others may have come during the day. Keeping vigil is a natural part of our lives. Do you recall times when you sat up with a sick child? That is a vigil. Karen, who often comes to our retreat center for quiet time, describes how her colicky baby led her into mysticism. To quiet the cries... We would walk up and down our long driveway in the middle of the night, sometimes for over an hour, until comfort and sleep would come. The silence of our sojourn led me into a sacred union with my Son, the Divine, and the suffering of the whole world. In these treasured moments, I felt connected to all of creation. I began to call this, colic mysticism. Karen's experience is a good example of keeping vigil. Have you waited for teenage children to come home safely at night? That too is a vigil. Or perhaps there have been times when you were awakened in the middle of the night for seemingly no reason at all. Perhaps you have lain awake with anxiety and worry Maybe you have quarreled with a loved one and you cannot sleep out of concern over how to be reconciled. All these moments and more can become natural vigils. These painful experiences can be transformed into creative waiting. You can rise out of your sleep or non-sleep at these moments, curl up in a favourite old chair and keep vigil with your anxious heart. We wait for the diagnoses after a series of medical tests, whether for ourselves or for a family member or friend. We wait for news after the surgery of a loved one. We wait for our children, sometimes for our parents, to come home from war. We wait to hear if we got the job we applied for, or if our test scores will make it possible for us to enter the university of our choice. We wait for reconciliation and forgiveness. We wait for death. Most of us do not like to wait. There is anxiety in waiting. Whether we are waiting in a supermarket line, in the doctor's office, the bank, in a restaurant, at a stoplight, or any of the hundred places we have to wait each week. Waiting is not high on our list of priorities. Not all vigils are anxiety-written. There is the joyful waiting for someone dear to come for a visit, or the waiting for an important event such as a marriage or the birth of a child. We wait for the seasons to come around again, for gardens to grow, and flowers to bloom. Just as the gardener keeps vigil with the seed in the ground, we too, if we are alert to the goodness of spiritual waiting, can keep vigil with the seed that wants to sprout in our lives. We wait for who we will become. are, all of us, on Holy Saturday of Easter weekend. Yesterday we listened to the difficult passion story, the arrest, trial, and crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth, someone trying to lift up all those around him, someone trying to make the world a more compassionate and graced place. His teaching, his person, how he lived his life— was embraced by some, rejected by others, punished by those who were afraid what the power of love would unleash. And now, symbolically, on Holy Saturday, we consider the many characters within the story that the gospel writers have given us. Consider for a moment all who have followed Jesus, Who have gathered at the seashore to hear his sermons, his teachings, all those who have been healed in one way or another by his presence, all those who have been lifted up out of the mire of rejection and given not just a ritual seat at the table but an actual one. Where are they? What do you think they are doing? Their beloved leader is dead and with him, all their hopes for a new way forward. They must be bereft, lost, despairing. They must feel so very all alone. They require, even all these years later, our graced attention and love. And what of the soldiers who mocked? What of the ones who held the whips and did the scourging? What of those who erected the timbers and ran nails through a living body as custom and orders dictated they do? At the day's end and on the morrow, when they returned to their families, were they themselves shackled with disgrace? Or had their hearts become hardened to the everyday brutality that was part of their daily life. They require, even all these years later, our graced attention and love. What of Pilate and his court? Has he washed his hands one more time and set about feasting for the evening? Or is he still troubled by his encounter with Jesus and all the courtiers and priests of the temple? What of Caiaphas and Annas and the rest of the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and their families? What are they doing? What are they thinking? It is Passover and there has been a great quiet settle over Jewish homes, though it is likely to be an uneasy quiet, a fretful quiet, for certainly they must all know that something dreadful has taken place. All those in power who brought Jesus to his death, even all these years later, require our graced attention and love. All of them require our forgiveness, which is the divine technology for all new birth we will offer them our forgiveness and all manner of graces. And what of those who really loved Jesus? His mother, Mary Magdalene, John, Peter, the apostles who did not leave the awful scene even in the midst of bloody death. They held vigil, true vigil, in the midst of all their personal loss They did not turn away, but held steady. They held steady because love held them steady. If you are breathing this very moment, it is certain that at least once in your life, though most probably many times, someone or some group of people have held a vigil for you. They have waited in love for you to be healed, to be well, to come home to an actual home or home to yourself. And it is also most likely that you have done the same for another. You have held a vigil for someone you loved to be healed, to be well, to come home to themselves, to you, where they belong and you did that because you loved them. Love, make no mistake, is the single most powerful force in all the world and there is nothing else like it. I invite you into the practice of vigil now. Take whoever you like into your heart any of the characters in the passion story that speak to you, anyone in your own story that speaks to you, anyone in your community who needs your special attention, anyone who comes to your heart and mind, and perhaps yourself as well. Hold them in love and hold steady. I'm going to close with Macrina's beautiful vigil prayer. Once again, I am reading from her book, Seven Sacred Pauses, which can easily be ordered or found in bookstores where spiritual matters are of import. O vigilant one, you stand alert at the gate of our hearts. Tutor us in the fine art of keeping vigil, That we may lovingly watch over the family of the earth with your own eyes of compassionate awareness. With you as our guide, perhaps our loving vigilance will enable us to become healers in a world of violence. Be present in the lives of those whose darkness is not a holy darkness. Be with those who never get to experience the therapeutic healing of the great silence. We surrender our own plans and enter your great plan for peace upon the earth. Give us attentive, peaceful hearts as we watch with you through the long, dark night. We bless you, O sacred darkness. I would ask you all to continue to do what needs doing to stay home safely and keep well. Remember that we are all deeply connected and how we behave affects everyone.